Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Rabel was hired as Tennessee Titans head coach. The process went very quickly. Rabel interviewed with then general manager John Robinson, owner Amy Adams Strunk, among others, and about 48 hours later, had the job. Finding Vrabel's replacement apparently is going to take a little while longer. And uh, and franchise officials, again led by Amy Adams Strunk are going to cast a much wider net, it seems. It's been uh, it's been a week. Titans have conducted interviews, plan to conduct more interviews, and uh, and we are still waiting. So we are still waiting to see who uh, who is the choice. We will we will discuss some of the candidates, all of the candidates, as much as we can of the candidates in this episode of Believe in Titans with uh, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, are you staying warm out there? Uh, trying to. I hope you guys are staying warm in Nashville. Yeah, De- Denard, of course, is is in Dallas. He's uh, a little farther south, a little farther west. Oh, Didn't wow. quite get the uh, the winter blast that we did here in Nashville. John Glennon of the Nashville Post, how are you? I'm doing well, surviving the, uh, the Nashville snowpocalypse. Indeed, and I am I am David Beauclair, also here in Nashville. And uh, you wonder uh, you wonder if the uh, if the weather and there's more bad weather forecast for Nashville in the coming days here. Uh, if this is slowing down the the process at all, I, you know, I know a lot of coaches are doing interviews via Zoom right now. At least the uh, at least the initial interviews. I would think it uh, at some point though, you'd want to have people in here and and look at them across uh, across the table from you get a sense of who they are in person and and how they command a room and and that sort of thing but uh the the latest as as we record this episode is that uh the Titans have requested interviews with 10 candidates they have confirmed interviews with about half of those so far um John, why don't you uh, why don't you start and and give us uh, give us sort of a a rundown of of this list of candidates? What uh, what jumps out at you? What what do you see, what sort of trends do you see, if any? Um, where where do you think the Titans are looking specifically in this search right now? Well, it is uh, as you mentioned, it is kind of a wide net. Um, you know, they, they've looked at uh, um, you know of, of these ten names. I think six of them are from the offensive side of things, as you know, might be the you know kind of the uh, knee jerk reaction after the Titans have struggled so much offensively the last couple of years. They've also got you know a, a second year quarterback coming back. Uh, and and you know potential franchise quarterback, so it's a natural thing to think they might lean towards offense. But it's not only offense; they've got you know three or four guys on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well. They've got some of the, some of them that are that are young. You know, a guy like Bobby Slowick, uh, an assistant or an OC at in Houston. He's only thirty six years old, I think. Uh, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, is only thirty six years old. 
Um, and then, then some of the, the more experienced guys too, like a Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator or Aaron Glenn, PC at, uh, at the lions. So they're, you know, they're, they are taking a broad, uh, um, cross section of, of candidates here. The ones we know have, uh, who have interviewed so far, um, Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, Antonio Pierce, the Las Vegas Raiders interim head coach, and Mike Kafka, the New York Giants offensive coordinator. Uh, those are the only ones confirmed having interviewed so far. Uh, some of the others we'll probably see in the next couple of days because they were involved with playoff teams last weekend, and they're only getting their, their first opportunity now. Yeah, Dan Quinn, the uh, the, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, is uh, is on this list. I, I would assume he will be uh, he will be interviewed shortly. Same with Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, both Detroit coordinators, Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, are, are are on this list. And Detroit, of course, is still going. So we'll see uh, we'll see how how that affects things and uh you mentioned bobby slowick i read today where he uh he apparently is is putting teams off and says i want to focus on the the texans and the job i have to do right now uh if you want to talk to me talk to me when the season's done so he's another one they uh and and he's one certainly Rand carthen knows well they were in san francisco together uh they might have to wait on them uh denard as you look at this list uh you know, a, a guy like Antonio Pierce was in the league the same time you were. I, I think same with uh, Aaron Glenn, the uh, the Lions defensive coordinator. Do uh, you know those guys? Do you know any of these guys uh, at all, or did you cross I, paths with any of the other any of the others on this list? I know Aaron. I know Aaron Glenn since college. Uh, he's from uh, the Houston area. Uh, uh, what a, an amazing cornerback. I had a chance to learn from him when I was at LSU and we played Texas A&M and watching him play. I mean, he was a monster. Uh, he's not very big, 5'9", probably 175 pounds wet and played, what, 14, 15 years. Uh, a lot of those years were with the Jets, uh, made multiple Pro Bowls, all pro. Uh, God, what a phenomenal player. And got, look at the job that he's uh, doing up in Detroit. I mean, he's got those young players believing, and that's why Detroit is winning. Uh, he's a great young coach, and uh, he's doing a heck of a job. And, um, you know, as far as Antonio Pierce, I don't know him quite well. So uh, wh- whoever they just, they bring in, I think it's going to be a great uh, situation for the Titans because these are coaches. If you get someone like AG, you get somebody that played the game like Coach Rabel. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, uh, I think it's a new chapter for Tennessee, and I hope they make the right choice. Yeah, I mentioned last week that Antonio Pierce was a guy who struck me as, you know, it'd be a change, but it'd be very similar to Vrabel. And you kind of look at what's going on around the league right now. When you when you look at the success Mike Vrabel had here, you see what Dan Campbell, a, a, a former tight end who who had a decent career, certainly not a spectacular career, but but a decent playing career had in the NFL. You look at uh, you look at what Pierce did in in half the season with the Raiders and how that was a uh, that was a completely different team. Uh, uh, you know, there there there, and there's a few others. It, it seems to me that you can sort of you can sort of feel like there's a a trend developing in the NFL where there's there's going to be more pre, more of a premium placed on guys 
who were players in the league and and who understand the locker room culture firsthand and and do those sorts of things. Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota is a another one who comes to mind, you know, who has who has had success and uh uh you know Denard, what you played for you know you played for Jeff Fisher who uh who was not a star in this league but had a a a a, a short career played uh, you know was a, was a member of the 85 Chicago Bears team did you yeah. did, did you ever feel like you know he had a you know he understood what players needed better than some other coaches you had along the way absolutely absolutely coach fisher was kind of he was nurtured by mike dicka you know that was his mentor and he had a lot of similarities as coach dick he wasn't as mean cuz he was from california <laughs> but one of the things i love about coach fisher when you play for a a coach that's played the game. I think that coach at times can really, he can empathize with players and what they're going through as opposed to sometimes a, uh, a player or uh, a coach that's never played the game. I mean, there are so many factors, but the thing that I loved about Jeff was he knew what guys were going through. He knew when guys were struggling, he, he used to hold us accountable. But the thing that I love about uh, Jeff, more than anything else, is he was laid back and he kind of let you figure it out. And that's what his strongest asset was. And a lot of coaches don't let you do that. John, we, you know, we, we say that, that the Titans want to talk to these 10 coaches. They've, they've confirmed that they've talked to four of them. And now there's already a report out that they want to talk to Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, a second time. Is that, uh, is that a clear indication to you that uh, that he's the the leading candidate, the primary candidate, or just a strong candidate at this point? I would say just a strong candidate at this point because you know as we as we talked about earlier, uh, some of these guys that were on on teams that played in the playoffs uh, last week really could not do virtual interviews last week. This is the time that that they're going to be able to do their their virtual interviews. So. You know, some of the guys, like like we mentioned, the coordinators from the Lions, um, you know, Bobby Slowick has the opportunity anyway if he wants to do it this week. Um, you know, Dan Quinn, uh, Brian Johnson, you know, a lot of those guys didn't have the opportunity. So Brian Callahan of the Bengals, obviously they didn't go to the playoffs. He had the opportunity to do that. Uh, and and so as a result, his his uh, schedule is is moving a little quicker, but that that said, I I do like uh, uh, Brian Callahan uh, in terms of what what his resume suggests. Anyway, um, you know, five years as the offensive coordinator of the Bengals. Now he, he has not been the primary play caller up there. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor, the the coach has, has been the head coach has been the primary play caller, but certainly Callahan has to have had a a a lot of significant uh, impact. Um, on Joe Burrow, uh, you know, helping turn him into the, to the quarterback that we know today, and then kind of utilizing all those weapons that the Bengals have, Joe Mixon, you know, T, uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, uh, Tyler Boyd, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he, he comes with a good reputation, too. Uh, I, I should point out um, the NFL Players Association uh, did their annual survey, and this year they they added – uh, a section where you, where you, they ask the players to rank their own coordinators from from one to ten, all, all anonymous, obviously. Um, Brian Callahan finished, I think, either third or fourth among all offensive coordinators in terms of ranking. Uh, should also note that Aaron Glenn finished first 
among defensive coordinators ranked by his own players um, and actually the, had the highest ranking in the entire NFL. But uh, getting back to, to, to Callahan, like what, what he did uh, this year, not only with Burrow, but when Burrow was injured, here's he's bringing in Jake Browning, guy who'd never played in the NFL uh, before this year, and you know, an undrafted free agent from a couple of years ago, he he came in and in like seven starts, nine games, threw for almost twelve two thousand yards, twelve touchdown passes, you know, a quarterback rating of ninety eight point whatever it was, uh, pretty impressive stuff by a guy who again hadn't played at all. So I think that speaks highly of of Brian Callahan and the and the system that he has uh, in, in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I mentioned last week that I'd be skeptical of Brian Callahan because of Joe Burrow's success. I, I think Joe Burrow would be a great quarterback, whoever his coordinator is. But the but the Jake Browning thing, you know, a guy who was on their practice squad since 2021 and and sat and watched and and got scout team reps and did you know did whatever uh, did whatever a, a quarterback that far down on the depth chart can do, and uh, and was obviously ready when his uh, when his moment arrived. I think uh, I think that probably does speak well to uh, to the job Brian Callahan did in in helping prepare him there. The other thing is, you know, Amy Adams Strunk in the uh, in the video interview she did with Mike Keith last week talked about uh, the importance of of the potential staff that a head coach would bring with them and and I think it's uh it's important to note that that Brian Callahan is the son of Bill Callahan who is the uh the Bengals offensive line coach a really well respected offensive line coach in this league a guy who's been a head coach and uh you wonder if if those two are a package deal as part of this and and when you're you know when you're looking at uh when you're looking at things that need to be fixed with this team of course the offensive line is the uh is the is the number one thing I think we would all agree that that needs to be fixed and if you could get a guy like Bill Callahan who seems uh, it doesn't matter wherever he is the uh you know the the offensive lines that play for him are are terrific so uh, I, I think that uh, that bears watching too. If uh, if Callahan continues to gain momentum, and if he is ultimately hired, then is his dad going to be coming with him? Uh, Denard John mentioned this earlier. You know, there, there's obviously going to be a lot of em- emphasis placed on the partnership with Will Levis and whatnot. But uh, but. Do you think it matters a great deal whether it's a an, an offensive background coach, a defensive background coach? Uh, will that will that have a profound impact overall, or, or is it more that the staff that a coach can bring with them? Well, look at the trend. I mean, look at what's going on in the NFL now. I mean, look at what Sean McVay in L.A. Uh, who do they end up going with? Jared Goff. You're talking about Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. You look at Steve Steichen now, you got a young quarterback in Indianapolis. I mean, look at the names. I mean, it's just, it's the writing on the wall. And you you said something about Bill Callahan because I actually played against him when he was in Oakland. He was a head coach there. And I tell you, that line that they had uh, in Oakland was amazing, uh, David. They were, they were as good as it get. They had some dogs on that offensive line. So yeah, right now you're talking about uh, a young coach. He's what, 39 years old? And not to mention, David, if you look at the the players that he's worked with, let's not forget now, Brian Callahan was on that staff in 2015 that won a Super Bowl with Denver Broncos. 
And where they had Osweiler and Peyton Manning, he was the quarterback coach. He's also worked with Matthew Stafford. He's worked with Derek Carr. So he's good at nurturing young quarterbacks. And I think this would be a great fit because you got Will going into his second season. And, of course, you want somebody that's been a quarterback coach, not to mention your offensive coordinator. And I think this would be a great, great relationship between those two if they can put this together. You, you talk about guys like uh, like McVeigh or O'Connell or Mike McDaniel in Miami's obviously mm-hmm. gotten a lot of buzz this year. If you were if you were hiring Denard, would would you want a head coach calling plays, whether it's offense or defense, or does does that matter to you? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you look at San Francisco, when Mike McDaniel got the uh, job at uh, Miami, he came from San Francisco, right? Yes. So yes. When you look at the when you look at the 49ers, and I know when you look at the 49ers, who do you think is was caught making pretty much uh, calling those plays? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> and I know this personally because Kyle Shanahan, again, he learned from his dad. But who was the offensive coordinator in Denver when Mike when Mike Shanahan was the head coach? Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah so, and a lot of times Mike would be the one who's calling. Cube would set everything up. But again, if you think about it, David, you're actually learning on the go. So, I mean, I think it's a great, uh, I think this would be a great relationship. I think Callahan would be an excellent fit uh, in Nashville. John, same question to you. Do you want, uh, do you want your head coach calling signals or do you, do you think it's too much these days? I, I tend to think the latter. I, I tend to think, you know, it seems to me that the, the trend now is is more, you know, I'm kind of the CEO head coach, sort of like Mike Brabel has been the last couple of years, you know, ever since he kind of gave Shane Bowen, um, you know, signal calling duties on, on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, I, I think if if you're of that personality and, and, you know, you're you're a good kind of you know leader of of men and and uh, someone who runs the entire ship well. Um, you know, you you see it in in Jim Harbaugh as well. He wasn't uh, the play caller for for Michigan either. Um, you know, despite a background as an NFL quarterback, and then certainly uh, they they thrived up there. So I I think um, you know to me an NFL coach has enough on his plate. I like him obviously to have a specialty. Uh, you know, on, on one side of the ball, or the other, and, and frankly, I'd, I'd prefer offense, um, you know, with, with the Titans, but I, I, I think, uh, you know, passing on those responsibilities to two other guys and overseeing them and being as hands-on as, as much hands-on as you want to be. I kind of think that's more the way to go. I think it's an awful lot of responsibility uh, that, that has increased over the years to be both head coach and a play caller on, on either side of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I, I think about uh, you know I think about Mike Vrabel saying at one point, you know those who know the rules can find ways to take advantage of them, and and I always felt like Mike Vrabel probably knew the rule book better than pretty much anybody he was coaching against, and and there are you know there there were moments in uh, there were moments in games where you felt like uh, you know he 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 was so consumed by, okay, what can I possibly come up with here? And and there's probably very few during the course of a season, but if you can find two or three that, that give you a big advantage. And I, and I think one of the, one of the, the reasons Mike Vrabel has such a, uh, 
has such a good reputation and, and why people outside of Nashville in particular are, are up in arms and can't believe that the Titans would have fired him, whatnot, is, you know, there, there is the image of that playoff game against the Patriots a few years back when he had Bill Belichick losing his minds to the referees because, uh, because Rabel was exploiting the rule book to run time off the clock late in that game. And, and I think, uh, you know, that, that's one of those, you know that that's like a a highlight real play for a, a player that that just sticks with you for your entire career, and it uh, it, it is uh, it it has served and will serve Mike Vrabel very well that way. So I'm the same way. I, I think I, I almost feel like if I was hiring and a coach told me, yeah, I'm going to be the one calling the plays, I, I I would I would almost cross him off my list right there. You'd have to be really really impressive in a lot of other ways. I know when I was watching the Rams Lions game on Sunday, uh, you know there are moments when the uh, when the Rams defense is on the field and and Sean McVay's face is in his call sheet and whatnot, I, and that just that you know that I mean it's it's personal preference obviously, but that would that would bug me if I was the owner of a team. But uh, I, got, I got a question uh, for you, David. Yeah. All right. Last year we were having we were having a discussion about one individual not getting a, a head coaching job, so he left to go to Washington to be the yeah. offensive coordinator. Now we haven't heard much about him, but the coach in Kansas City. Do you know who the offensive coordinator is for Kansas? And, City? Andy Reid is. Andy yeah. Reed. <laughs> Andy I mean, Reed. he's got Matt Nagy, and I guess he lets Nagy do it some. But you know, no, Andy Reid's always got his face in always. a in a call sheet. There's there's no, and that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm right. But I'm saying that that would be my personal preference, and and maybe it's maybe it's because uh, you know maybe it's because Jeff Fisher was sort of the CEO type, and I saw the success he had here, and, and Vrabel was. You contrast that with uh, with, with say Ken. I guess Ken Wisenhunt's the only Titans coach you know since this team has been in Nashville who was uh, who was a play caller, and that was uh, that that was an absolute disaster there. Um, we, we've mentioned some of these candidates. The Titans are not the only ones who are uh, who are wanting to talk to some of these guys. I, I think I saw Bobby Slowick. As many as five teams want to talk to him. Aaron Glenn is on several teams' lists. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you, you wonder if if some of these guys are going to have their pick of. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, I mentioned Ken Wisenhunt. He had his pick between Tennessee and Detroit in 2014 when he ended up here and, and he surprised a lot of people picking Tennessee. Uh, uh, John, I'll ask you, it, it, is, is this an attractive job that, that if it comes down to a tiebreaker, you think, uh, you think the Titans would win out over a lot of these other places or, or no? I think there are some things that, you, that could be said, uh, certainly in the Titans favor. Um, you know, you've, you've got a potential franchise quarterback for the future here. You know, I, I still think it's probably too early to say, Will Levis is absolutely, you know, set in stone. Like, like, you know, if you put up CJ Stroud kind of numbers, okay, you're, you're the guy, you're the, you're the quarterback of the future. I, I'm, I, you know, I think the, the, the jury's still out a little bit on Levis, but he's certainly got that potential anyway. So that, that's a plus. You've got the number seven pick um, upcoming in the, in the draft. That, that's another plus. You've got a ton of cap space, probably either the first or second uh, amount of cap space by by most of the uh, the figurings here. Um, so certainly there there are some things to like, but I think you know on the on the downside you've got a task ahead of you 
Um, this is not a team, let's say, you know, is one good head coach away from, from making a march right back into contention. This team is, I think, you know, in, in the early stages or, or in the midst of, of a bit of an overhaul, um, you know, somewhat on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive side. So, you know, if you're a coach that, that figures you're going to need to uh, to win quickly, to win right away, if you're if you're impatient, this is probably not your stop. Um, but, you know, I think most coaches come in with the idea that you're probably going to get at least a couple of years to try to turn things around and move things in the right direction. So is it, is it the best situation out there? No, I, I, you know, if I'm a head coach, I'd say, Hey, the Chargers look pretty good with Justin Herbert sitting there at quarterback um, or, or the Reds, or excuse me, the commanders with a ton of, of draft picks uh, coming up in 2024. That looks pretty nice also, but there, there are some things to be said for the Titans situation. Flip that around, Denard. If if you're a candidate for a head coach, what do you need Rand Carthen and or Amy Adams Strunk to convince you of that that would make you say, okay, this is the job I want? I don't know. I I, I mean, what? Tell me, what job is better than the other? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's thirty two. I mean, you get what you can get. That's why yeah. they all interview. For- the same they go to different org, uh, clubs to try to figure out which one is a good match and yeah, i don't it, think it, the it, Titans it, stand above anybody else in the league to be honest it, well, and, and and as quickly as things change in this league you know as jerry glanville famously said the nfl stands not for not for long right so you you sit there and you look at the uh you look at the chargers and say well they've got herbert they you know but but the chargers actually have salary cap serious salary cap issues and they're going to have to they're going to have to unload a bunch of the talent that they have right now and they could be uh they could be headed for a a rebuild with whoever takes over that job there um at, at least with the titans i think john you're right there's there's a lot of free agency activity that's probably going to happen you've got a high draft pick i, I think you probably can feel like Okay, we can we can make some major changes to this roster right away and and get it moving in the right direction. I I think the the big fear you would have if if you're taking this job is is you mentioned John, you mentioned CJ Stroud, you've got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, uh you've got Anthony Richardson in India Indianapolis. You you feel like even if well Will Levis is as good as you think he is, he may only be the third best quarterback in the division for the next couple of years, which is uh, which is going to make it, the the challenge of winning the division that much more daunting. But uh, you know, we'll 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 see. I, I, it, the last I remember, what was it in twenty uh, in, in twenty twenty? Arthur Smith, for example, interviewed. I think with there, I think there were seven openings. And he interviewed for all of them. And I think only got offered the Atlanta job. It, 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 these things seem to work themselves out uh, to where everybody settles on on their guy in uh, in in fairly routine fashion. So uh, um, it, it'll be it'll be worth watching as this thing gains momentum here over the next week or two. Who all interviews where and 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 how it shakes out. But certainly the uh, the, the Titans don't seem to be going going off the rails at all or or going you know going away from where everybody else is looking right now they're not off the beaten path so they might have to they might ultimately have to get into a bidding war for somebody we will see um you know the the one 
one guy who hasn't, as far as I know, interviewed anywhere yet is uh, is Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, I, I saw where uh, almost immediately Monday night after the Eagles were eliminated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the uh, there were odds put out that said Mike Vrabel would be the favorite to go to Philadelphia if Nick Sirianni is fired. Uh, um, but uh, but there's not not a lot of noise surrounding him right now, John. Do do we think that that Mike Vrabel's going to get right back on a sideline, or are we starting to think that he's uh, he's going to take a little break? It's looking more and more to me like a, like a break. Um, it, it's funny. I just saw a tweet here just a couple seconds ago that said in Dallas, Mike McCarthy is coming back. Uh, he will return in 2024. A uh, bit of a, a shocker after they got absolutely plowed in the playoffs again. Uh, um, but, I, you know, I think there are a lot of people connecting Mike Vrabel potentially to Dallas uh, as well. Uh, you know, and I've seen some some uh, connections made between Mike Vrabel and, and Stephen Jones uh, of the Cowboys, who both of them were members of the uh, NFL competition committee. So there may have been ties there. Um, and then, you know, I certainly thought that that Mike Vrabel was was going to be a shoe in uh, with New England. Um, but apparently ninety nine point nine percent of us were were off on the wrong uh, trail there because Gerard Mayo basically had it written into his contract that he was going to be the man succeeding Bill Belichick. So I thought those you know, New England and Dallas made made a lot of sense. Neither of those is going to happen now. Um, so, I, you know, I, I got to think that the fact that we haven't heard anything about Mike Vrabel now uh, yet makes me think maybe he's he's ready to take a, a bit of a, a break you know maybe a year I, that surprises me um because he certainly doesn't seem to be the guy that that runs out of energy or or needs much of a recharge um at at, at any point uh, and and if he does take a break i can't imagine it would be more than a year you know this is the the classic example of a guy who lives breathes and loves football so uh i'm i'm surprised that he's not willing to to jump right in and get back in the mix, if that is the case. And and even if it is, I don't think it would be for more than a year. What about you, Denard? Do you, do you think a year off would be would be good for him, or or w- would it be harder to come back uh, after a year off? I think a year off would be great. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy did that before he when he was fired at Green Bay. He took a year off, and then he you know came to Dallas. And I think it'd be a good way that he can kind of revitalize and kind of get energized a little bit because it takes a lot out of you. So I see him probably taking a year off and just see if a a good job and a good fit will open for him down the line. One guy who is not going to take a year off, um, but, uh, but also might not likely will not be back. Uh, We we talked a little bit last week about Derek Henry seemingly bidding farewell to the fans at Nissan stadium after the uh, the season-ending loss to the Jaguar or the victory over the Jaguars, excuse me, um, he he appeared this week with uh, Taylor Lewan and and Will Compton on their Bussin' with the Boys podcast and uh, and spoke about his future and uh, you know didn't say he's definitely out the door. It certainly acted like he doesn't know for sure what's going to happen, but he he feels like the Titans are moving on and, and moving in a different direction. And certainly that the, uh, the decision to fire Rabel figures into that and that, you know, his, his primary goal at this point is, uh, is to find a, a situation where he can make another run at the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, so John, as, as you listened to that, did, uh, did you hear a guy who is, who's 
kind of saying one thing, but but knows you know knows in his heart of heart he's he's absolutely out the door. I think he believes that is is very likely the case. What what kind of strikes me too though is that it is, and it's and it's kind of refreshing in some ways. Um, he's he seems like to be to be a man at peace with that. Um, you know, th- there's not the you know what what you hear in in so many guys who are who are playing out their contract. You know why am I why aren't I not getting another offer immediately? Or you know I can't believe that this team has turned its back on me. So forth. Derrick Henry seems to be a very practical minded guy. Understands that these sort of things happen. Um, you know, teams go in one direction, players go in another direction. Despite all the accolades, despite all the numbers that that go up. You know, sometimes it's just uh, it's just time for a change and time for a new direction. And Derrick Henry said, "Yeah, I'm I'm okay if that if that happens. You know, I'm I'm a Titan for life, basically, is what he said. But you know, his, his first priority now is uh, is that Super Bowl ring. And and I would find it hard for anyone to say that the Titans right now are a Super Bowl contender for 2024. So you know, I I think he's he's at peace now, having having you know." said his piece with, with to the fans, to the organization, to everyone. Um and I, I found that as I said refreshing. What I what I thought uh just real quick, what I thought was interesting about uh Derrick Henry's talk with, with the guys on Bustin' with the boys were kind of two of the things that he said about the past uh, as opposed to the future. One of his regrets obviously was was not getting that Super Bowl ring when the when the Titans were so good 2019 to 21. You know, he said, you don't realize it in the moment, of course, that, you know, but but we had a team is what he said. You know, we had some dogs on that team. You know, I couldn't believe we couldn't get it done. And then the other thing he, he regretted, those first two years with the Titans, when he said, um, my head just wasn't in it, you know, a lot of times. Uh, it just, uh, I, I spent too much time wondering, why me? Why why am I here? Why did the Titans draft me, you know, when, when they had DeMarco Murray uh, you know, acquired in a trade. And he said it took him until 2018 and, and to talking to a lot of people, uh, Sean Alexander, Eddie George, Mark Ingram, et cetera, before he really got the right mindset and, and really took off. So that, that may have been the most interesting uh, part of, of what he talked about. Denard, you know, a lot, you, you hear guys say it all the time. This is a, this is a business. This is a business. This is a business. Uh, does, does everybody eventually get to that point that, that Derrick Henry is at where they really do understand or, or is that a hard place to get to for a lot of guys? Guys understand that because uh, when you start getting older, we know that, uh, you know, the writing's on the wall, you know, a lot of times your time is up. We've seen that in Eddie George. He spent, what, eight amazing years in Nashville. He's the all-time leading rusher. Again, the exit we saw it. And, uh, you know, myself, uh, when I was about 30 years old, I realized, you know, the time is uh, it's, it's coming to an end. And not to mention, you, you just know, and I love what he said. He says, listen, winning a Super Bowl is his top priority. He knows he's 30 years old. He only has probably a couple of years left in the tank. And uh, I still think he's a quality back. But when I look at Derek throughout the years, and I remember when he was talking about regret, did you think a lot of that came from the fact that when they had, when they traded for DeMarco Murray and not to mention in 2018, he was going against, was it Deion Lewis? And then about it. At Alabama, you know, he's the man. And then you come to Nashville and now you're having to share responsibilities. Do you think that had an effect on him? 
Yeah, oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, he came, he came, he comes in as the Heisman Trophy winner, had mm-hmm. two thousand some rushing yards, all kinds of touchdowns. I'm, I'm sure he, fit, you know, and, and he, he was the the national high school record holder. I mean, he's always been the man mm-hmm. wherever he's been, pretty much. I think he had one year at Alabama where he had to kind of wait his turn a little bit, but, uh, but did, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it was different, and it was an adjustment for him. But uh, he will, you know, he will certainly be remembered as one of the greatest Titans of all time. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting if wherever he ends up, if he comes back next year to see the, uh, the kind of, the kind of reception he would get at Nissan stadium. But uh, that is, that is well into the future. We will be back a week from now to, uh, to discuss the latest developments in the coaching search and, and anything else that takes place until then, Denard Walker. Thanks as always. Thank you. John Glennon, thank you. Thanks, guys. And I'm David Beauclair. Thank you all for listening to Believe in Titan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.